the playoffs? Yeah. We'll talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. We played them the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. Listen, we talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We talking about practice. It's the All Pro Bros, yo. It's sports show where we put you in the know of who are the bros and the misses, the losers, to those scared the winners, those in the game. To the match, Ali Uber with the crew. Every test to bring you. Every virgin statistic, you caught up over your mystic. You removed the decisions, the opinions, the blow with the whistle, the flops, the foul, and all of the issues. Every punch, every kick, every throw, every switch, every leap, every flip, every run, every twist. Break it down in history. Each loss, each victory. Those in the winner's circle. To the losers bracket, every Gretzky, Brady, Ripkin, Jordan, and Matthew. Whether it's a field goal or a shot in the basket. Going for the gold or home runs. Gonna talk that talk, shoot with the pros, the All Pro Pro Sports Show. Yo, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are now in tune to another episode of the All Pro Bros. This is your boy Triple. Jamas. AKA. Tom Brady's lawyer. Yep. <laughs> we I have didn't know we were doing that today, but okay. Oh, yo, you're forever Tom Brady's lawyer. Even negotiated the Fox analyst deal. We'll talk about that later. But <laughs> we have a special guest on the show today. Someone that I've known for a very long time, probably about 12 or 13 years. One Mr. Stanley Porter, ladies and gentlemen. Um I don't want to give the introduction. I'm going to let you do it for yourself, brother. Let the people know who you are, what you're doing today, and how that makes a connection on a sports podcast. No, right. And I, first of all, thank you so much for having me, man. And this is part of me uh, allowing me to reintroduce myself, you know, because most people know me as, you know, minister, music, gospel artist. You know, we, we you know, connected on that a while back. And so um, that is still at the core of who I am. Uh, but what I'm doing today is a little different. And this is how we're connecting on, on your podcast. Um, I'm a personal trainer today, man. And more recently can con- uh, also now add bodybuilder to the list. Never thought I'd see the day, but I recently uh, did my first competition last year. And so uh, I'm, in, I'm in the health and fitness space. And so there's a lot going on there that we can, you know, we can talk about. But that's that's it in a nutshell. Dude, that's pretty dope. I, didn't, I actually I think I've seen that on social media that she was doing that. Uh, right. One of our other dudes, um, we, same thing. He started off in doing Christian hip hop. Now he's in the same space as you, personal trainer, owns a gym in Randolph and just nice. did a, a natural natural diet uh bodybuilding competition two weeks ago wow yeah i would yeah. love to get that brother's information when uh when you can get it to me that's what's I'll, I'll send it to you today um good dude um i think y'all two should definitely connect he's a believer as well so so yeah so let's get started on more or less the transition into uh out of music in terms of, remember you was going hard. I was with you for no a little doubt. bit with no four twelve records, and then I remember you was like, you know what? I feel a transition is happening, and I was like, all right, cool, you know. Uh, so yeah, tell the people about that transition and how you got into where you are now. Yeah, you know, so I was at the time um, a, a a worship pastor actually in Revere, and, and so I was coming up through the ranks when we had first met. And, you know, doing my own music and also at the same time doing ministry in the church. So our music that we did was at the time we were coming out with it. It wasn't necessarily a part of as ingrained in the church culture as it is today. Right. We we were coming up when that was like youth night, you know, stuff, you know, really wasn't uh, that understood. So we found a lot of ways to do it, like street ministry and and, and, and so forth and so on. but I was doing the work in the church at the time as well. And that was like choir directing and, and minister music, leading praise and worship. So uh, just so happens that I was on my way to work one day and a guy rear into me at a red light. He was on a cell phone, totaled my car. And I ended up with a concussion to make a long story short, some, some back strain. And that put me out of work. I couldn't even play the piano, man. I would get dizzy. Um, you know, it was, I had to fight kind of hard to, put sentences together. These are, these are not things that 
I was necessarily, at least the speech part, I wasn't thinking about. I just thought, well, I'm just working hard. But the more I talked about it with people who had concussions, they were like, no, that's a real thing. You know, your brain is kind of, you know, uh, out of whack right now and it's harder for you to speak. So you need to, you know, get this checked out. So doctor's orders, man, I'm down for like six months and can't really uh, do anything. Martial arts is out of the question. Going to the gym is out of the question. So I gained 25 pounds because, man, I was eating everything, bro. Like, I grew up in the hood, man. So the corner store, that was the place, that was the spot. You're going to get you beef patty. You're going to get you, you know, whatever. Empanadas, depending on where you live. You're going to get you some, for me, pork rinds. You're going to get some apple pies. You're going to get all kind of things. Watch Gino's, movies. Doritos, Fritos. All that. All that. Soda. So. Cocoa bread and cheese, the Jamaican patties. Nah, I feel you. Yes, yeah. all of it, man. All of it. And on top of that, um, Chinese food, man. I'm just, oh, ooh. wow. <laughs> Give me a, you know, ribs, wings, chicken fried rice. <laughs> <laughs> all the stuff don't kill you. <laughs> For real, man. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to town on that stuff, not moving. And so I end up gaining 25 pounds. I go in for a checkup and they're like, you know, you're a stroke or a heart attack waiting to happen. I'm like, I wasn't prepared to hear that information. You know, I'm still relatively young at the time. And they were like, no, your, your uh, triglyceride levels uh, are 10 times the level that they should be. I was like 10 times. They were like, yeah. So you're going to need to lose about 25 pounds. And we're going to have to put you on this medication. So fortunately I ran into another uh, a Christian long distance, actually. And that there's a whole story behind that, but uh, long story short, I told her my situation. She was actually a trainer and said, give me six months to work with you. If at the end of six months, you have to take the meds, do what the doctor's telling you. But I've had some success in this area. I worked with her on a new uh, meal plan and tweaked my exercise regimen. And at the end of six months, I lost 25 pounds. It was cleared. And so uh, to kind of end the story, I was looking for a career change anyway, because I was working in the school system as well as a bivocational work in the school system as well as do his ministry. Uh, and so as far as the school system was concerned, I was looking for a different path, loved what I did, but was feeling a change. And then in terms of the music, I realized if I wasn't going to move out of Boston, if I wasn't going to travel, you can only go so far. And that's real talk. You know, I put in the work in the music industry and, it, you know, I, Kudos to people who are still doing it. But I, I knew there was a point at which if I'm not prepared to travel, like across the country or maybe even internationally, I can only go so far. And so I was inspired by my own health journey. So I said, let me get certified to be a personal trainer. And that began uh, Stampede Fitness, I guess, if that's, that's what they call me now. <laughs> so, Stampede. Here I am. <laughs> Which ain't dropping bars, you're lifting bars. <laughs> hey, hey, okay, I see. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You got it, bro. That's a very inspirational uh, story. I know Kafans and I talk about this. I'm like cleaning up my diet, looking at, you know, try to get back to consistently work out, even my crazy, hectic schedule. So I feel you on that. And that is super, super inspiring. Yeah. Um. So, now you're at this point doing Stan P fitness. You're now certified. What's yep. the next step after that? You obviously got to get a job, correct? So um, how was it now transitioning full on into trying to go into a gym or having your own class? Let the people know that part of your story. Yeah. You know, and this is good for anybody who's out there that's trying to get into, uh, you know, uh, personal training because a lot of people seen it as an option, uh, you know, not just, to, to own their own business or chart their own path, destiny. You know, there's so many ways outside of working a regular nine to five now that are available, whether it's, you know, we're going to use our cars to generate money, but a lot of people are looking at personal training as well. So uh, I, I did an online certification while I was still working at school. Because one thing I learned uh, from doing, being an entrepreneur through music was, don't just quit your job and just run. I made some mistakes, <laughs> you know, but in that way, but I learned, I said, you know what? I'm not going to just quit. I quit and I'm going to do something else. So I, I, I began to study first. Once I passed, uh, then I 
you know, said, okay, I'm ready to, to launch out. I, I, I did a few interviews, settled on uh, Crunch Fitness. And uh, once that ball was rolling, okay, I, I transitioned from one job to the next. Now that I had the certification and I had a place, I knew that my goal was to be there for about two to three years. And so I think everybody should have a plan. You should have an exit strategy and you should have also a plan for when you enter a, a place, if you are trying to be independent. I always knew I wanted to be an independent trainer. But what I also knew is I had to pay my dues. And I see that with a lot of young trainers coming up is they don't understand paying your dues. Everybody's so enamored with, I want to be in business with myself. But um, there is something to getting hands-on training and, and building a network and a reputation, right? So I, I knew that that was going to be valuable for me. The gym allowed me uh, to, to learn from other trainers, uh, you know, who were brilliant. I had a great team uh, around me when I was there. And, and I learned so much from those guys and girls. And uh, then also it allowed me to build my reputation, make some, you know, mistakes and tweak my programming, learn more before I really launched out to be independent. So after about two or three years at Crunch, uh, I really found, we talk about this in music, finding your voice as well. And so I think I found who I was as a trainer. And I, you know, so many times people try to copy other people, whether it's copying who you see on Instagram or I don't care what, prefer, we talk about this in ministry, don't try to be someone else or preach or teach like someone else. I had to find out who I was and I wasn't the drill sergeant. I had a guy like that. That was his style. He did boot camps. That was him. Um, I, you know, there was a guy who trained uh, college basketball athletes. That wasn't me. I tended to gravitate more toward, you know, people who uh, were older, people who had issues like may have been uh, shoulder, hip issues. I guess that comes from being a, a teacher. I like to research those things. And uh, typically people who wanted to lose weight. So I knew my crowd and armed with that information and experience, uh, I launched out on my own. Wow. Was there any nervousness or hesitation, even though you knew your two to three year mark was heading and coming to a point? Was it nervousness in terms of like leaving the gym? Yeah, like now you're embarking on your own. I know you've always been an entrepreneur. I've met you as an entrepreneur. So I know that's, right. you know, not a thing, but right. you're in a whole new territory. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what the, you know what the, uh, I'll be real with you. The, the biggest, of the, the thing that made me the most nervous was how the public would perceive me coming from a ministry in the world of fitness. It really wasn't, because like you said, I've always, I'm trying new things and testing the market and, and putting myself out there. It was nothing, nothing new about that, but it was like, now I'm on Facebook and people are used to me putting scriptures on my page and, you know, uh, you know, positive quotes. And I'm, and I struggled, man, for like a good two years because you can't in this day and age grow your business without social media. You have to be on social media. And for a while, I, I, I didn't even say what I was doing because I didn't know how to just introduce myself in a new way. And some of that is just lack of knowledge. And some of it was, you know, just my own uh, fears and hangups. But I think the person that helped me lose my first 25 pounds, her being a, a Christian and having done some church work and now her being in the fitness industry, she was able to help encourage me. Uh, just something simple. If I'm in the fitness industry and I'm a personal trainer, I'm going to have to probably wear a tank top, right? Do you know how how I struggle with that? Because like people used to see me in suits, and I'm, you know, and I'm like, ah, I put a tank top on, on on a picture on social media. That might sound small, but it was a struggle for somebody who comes from another, uh, for lack of a better word, I'll, I'll say context, not industry, but coming from another context that is all about like modesty, being covered, and that, you know, you know what I'm saying. Now you coming out. And I'm, my, my thing, and people are like, what, what, what are you doing? Like, what you trying to, what you trying to do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It'll look like you're flexing it sometimes. <laughs> it might have been like you're trying to show muscles for the ladies kind of thing. And right. 
Like so Eddie Long, watch this. Watch it, this. Yeah, like, <laughs> Eddie Long, like Eddie, the muscle Eddie, shirt. Especially in the ministry, it, will, it will look it looks funny. Yeah, I get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So I struggle with that the most. Wow, but now here you are. So, so how are you doing it now? So now you're no longer at Crunch Fitness. You right. moved out on your own. Do you now rent out a space? Do you have your own gym? I know everyone is different. Like I told you about yes. my boy, ER, he has his own gym. You know, and he's been doing that for like just before the pandemic, which was amazing. He was able to leave his job and run a gym full time and he has a family, you know. So what's your thing? Like, were you able to like, how are you doing all this on your own now and sustaining yourself? Yeah, you know, it's, it's all about, um, you know, Two things. It's about partnerships, building, building, building those partnerships, and um, taking advantage of social media. And, and you know, there's so much we can do as, as solo entrepreneurs now. Uh, so, number one, talking about partnerships. When I left Crunch, uh, I there was a guy who was a, a member there, and he was also happened to be the commissioner for the uh, BCYS, the Boston Center for Youth and Families, at the time. I don't think he's commissioner anymore. But I knew him from a long time ago. In my mind, that's just so-and-so. Hey, what's up? And then at some point, I was like, you have to stop thinking of him as just your boy. You know, he he's connected and he has some, some uh, you know, and he, re- he really um, has a lot of the same thoughts that you have. And you guys should have a conversation about what you what you want to do as a trainer. So finally, I, I I talked to him, and he was like, "Yeah, man, let's let's sit down and have a meeting." And so he 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 uh, had me meet with a couple of directors, and that was one of the uh, partnerships I built where I could go and train people at the community center there, one of the community centers in Rosendale. And shout out to the people in Rosendale who who, who really. Um, came and supported me and allowed me to train them in that community. And then there was another one, the Lena Parks Community Center. My man, uh, I think Reggie was over there at one point and he opened a couple of doors for me to come and do some things. And so it, it being independent doesn't only, doesn't always mean I'm doing everything by myself. It means sometimes the, the structure changes. So if I was at the gym and I'm on their payroll, to be independent means now I'm not on anyone's payroll, but I'm, I can become more of a, a contractor. And most gyms set up that, that you're a contractor anyway, as a, as a personal trainer, but in terms of setting your own percentages, right? So the gym is saying we're taking 30, 40%. So it's only, you know, it's set in stone for you. So when you go independent, you get to uh, keep more of the profits. You dictate, okay, what the contractor fee is versus a gym doing it for you. Um, you set your own hours, you know, there's no obligation to, to do the floor hours and get memberships. So that's kind of what it means to be independent. So starting off with the Rosendale Community Center and the Lena Parks Community Center, and then utilizing outdoors. So a friend of mine, we would do outdoor camps, and I would just take a couple of clients and, and train them outdoors as well. And that went on. And right before the pandemic, I took so long to get into uh you know, online training, people were saying you need to get into that. I'm like, yeah. But right before the pandemic, man, I got Zoom and I started taking clients and then everything shut down. And I was like, wow, I'm so glad I did this. So I was able to continue. Um, and then even before the pandemic, I was I, I was a mobile trainer. So I started going to homes and some of the luxury uh condo uh places that have gyms on site. And sometimes you just have to utilize uh, websites like mytrainer.com or other websites. And even though they're going to take a percentage of whatever the bookings are, it gets your name out there. You put your profile on these websites and different types of people start reaching out to you for help. So there's a whole market of people who go onto these websites and uh, search for trainers who will come to them. And so I think it was just exposing myself to other markets outside of a a gym location. That was the biggest thing. Community centers first, being outdoors so people, the pedestrians walking by can see me and then getting into these other websites that would get me into people's homes. That was kind of um, my journey to independence. 
That's awesome, dude. Are you are you also using like YouTube to have your own fitness channel and having like a Patreon and all that kind of stuff? I know a lot of people do that as well. Yeah, you know, and here here where you know I'm doing a lot of things right, but there's a lot of things that I could use some help in and that I'm I'm limited in. And so I think part of being an entrepreneur is knowing what your your skill sets are and what you, what you're weak in, and uh, either the stuff you're weak in you don't you don't you know, invest as much of your energy in those areas or you invest in getting help in those areas. So I'm going to be honest with you, the whole YouTube thing hasn't been a thing for me, actually. I'm, I'm so, and I tried it, but I don't have the, the greatest skill set in putting one up and maintaining it and getting all this content out and videoing because here's, I'm going to be, I'm going to be real with you. Like as a, as a bodybuilder, I don't, I really don't have time to like film myself doing things. I am focused on a plan that I got to get through. There's only so many hours in the day. And I think if I was the, like a social media like person, I would do that automatically. Or if I had somebody, I was part of a crew, a team, somebody, and I had a workout partner. Most of the time, honestly, I'm not working out with a partner. Yeah. You know, I got, I, cause my day is so, I got to get the workouts when I can. And it's not always like, okay, I got a partner there with me. But if I had a partner or a, or a team, then they would be grabbing the footage for me. I just don't have any of that. So I just, I didn't even put any energy into the YouTube. So I realized as an entrepreneur, you got to go with where the business is coming from, right? So the business wasn't coming to me from YouTube. The business wasn't even coming to me through Instagram, to tell you the truth. I use Instagram for different reasons. The business came to me through Facebook and LinkedIn. So mm -hmm. that's where I spend most of my time. That's very smart. You're right. But the YouTube thing... Um, like we have a good friend, uh, his name is, goes by the name Mac. He's another, we started in hip hop. I was DJing right. for him. I even helped him put out his first mixtape and stuff like that. Uh, then he transitioned into doing basketball stuff on social media was blown up. It's even on oh, ESPN. Dave? Yeah. You know, yeah. His... Oh, he's killing the game. Yeah. That makes my heart so happy when I see him, man. Yeah. We've been trying to get him on a show for a while. He's hard to track down. Oh, he's big time. See, yeah. he's big time. You got me. I ain't that big yet. <laughs> I've even seen news clips of him, like local news clips of him. Maybe national. Yeah. Chilling. Yeah. So even got him. So all you guys are like inspirational, man. It's like, yeah, I, I know them. <laughs> oh, no so, doubt. Yeah, yeah. So it's really good to see all y'all doing this. But I do want to talk about you training athletes. Like, you know, because, of course, we're a sports show. Um, and we're all about athletics. And we talk about everything when it comes to athletics. Even the controversial social topics around within sports and athletics. So uh, talk to us about how, you, how you're meeting athletes. Are these college? Are these pros? Are these high school athletes? And the process of training them and stuff like that. Listen, I, I'm going to be real with you. As, as I said, you know, my major uh, focus, you know, and, and specialties have been weight loss and, and bodybuilding. But what I'm seeing is a lot of parents have kids who are in sports and they want their kids to have an edge and there may not be funding to have great programming at their schools. So they're looking for trainers who can train the student athletes more on like a high school uh, level or mi even middle school. And that's kind of where I've been getting into the, into the training of the athletes. So, um, and it was a little daunting at first, but with, because I'm a teacher and I taught kids in schools for so long, I think that's why they gravitate toward me and I'm in the fitness space. So I've had uh, students who uh, were playing uh, football, uh, basketball, and what was the other guy, hockey. Those were the three major ones. And so from a, a, a training standpoint, you know, I let them know that, you know, I'm, I'm not a coach. So we're not going to be doing like, you know, a lot of the drills that you're coaching. But what I try to identify or what I do not try, what I identify are what are the muscles that they need to develop to excel in their sport and the patterns, the movement patterns that they will have to, because those are two very different things. So if I need to uh, become more explosive uh, on the basketball court um, or hockey, going side to side, um, and even football, obviously, I know as a personal trainer what muscles are responsible for generating the power. 
So we've got the glutes, the hamstrings, the quads, you know, your core, like those are all important. And I know um, those muscles need to be developed and need to be trained, but then I have to look at each sport. So what is the pattern of movement for a hockey player? What is the pattern of movement for a particular position on a football team? Because as you know, they don't all move the same. That's why they all have different body types. And um, what is even for a basketball player, what are specific movement patterns um, for shooting and what muscles are involved for, you know, uh, 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 passing and playing defense. And so I will uh, spend some time researching the different movement patterns. And then what I'll do is we'll have a time for we warm up. We have a time for strength. I'll identify and I'll let the client know and their parents know these are the muscle groups that I'm going to target during this phase of the program to make your child stronger. But now we're going to work on, since he plays this position, um, these are the types of movements. And we'll do some uh, kind of, uh, not conditioning, but more some skill-specific training. But I make it clear, I'm not a coach, so but I will make you stronger. I'm not make you, but I will put you in a position to be stronger, to be faster, so that when the coach tells you to do what the, the coach wants you to do, you can probably have an edge on the other kids. That's dope. Alphonse and I, we are, we have a couple other dudes on the show every now and again. Uh, we always talk about with basketball the differences in seventies basketball, eighties basketball, nineties, two thousand twenty tens, now in the twenty twenties. And one of the biggest changes, Alphonse, you can attest to this, almost to the point, there's no more real true positions anymore, right, Fonz? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely positionless basketball. You always you're seeing people just jack up more threes than anything and just, and you, and I don't know, like whether you see is the evolution sometimes feels like the evolution because they feel, because everybody feels that Steph Curry now. <laughs> and then, but, but one thing you can, you can say about um, the sports, whether basketball, even, even football in the sense, like the athletes, are, uh, you, we can look at certain players and back in the day, we, we could feel that they could be better trained and, in terms of skilled and some certain players today, but then in terms of athletes, the athletes today are bigger, faster, stronger than the athletes back then because of the modern medicine and modern training, technology, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I'll add to that a question for you, Stanley, is do you find because of that reality of the changes in sports, especially with basketball, do you find it harder to train them? And if that is the case, uh, what, types of videotapes are you looking at and what era and what years to train them specifically basketball? Well, I, I think with the, with the young uh, people, I'm not sure if, you know, when they're at the middle school and, you know, kind of the JV level, I'm not sure how much that comes into play in terms of the work I do with them. I think they're just trying to get coordinated and learn their bodies at, at that point. So, uh, but I, I'd be curious uh, to know, because if I if I ask you guys a few questions, then I could put my trainer, you know, hat on and, and speak to them a little bit more specifically because you're much more immersed in it than I am. But what's interesting, you say that the athletes today are bigger, faster, and stronger, right? But at the same time, you, you're saying that positions are not being played like they used to play, be played. So, uh, so for instance, do you think? Give me an example on, on a basketball team. What positions you think used to be played a certain way that are not being played that way anymore? Oh, yeah. I mean, just like we, we talk about whether the point guard position is supposed to be handling the ball, bringing the ball up. You know, the center, usually the back to the basket or in the, in the in, or in within around that paint restricted area or even forwards taking shots or or the guard forward like the, like especially the two and the three because we know that we know what the two usually supposed to do the shooting guard small forward similar to the three but also shooting outside inside and you know that kind of thing and then the four like we're saying but nowadays you see this and and you know even back then you you could say there were few exceptions you know like the dirt Vinci's and and cats of that nature that 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 were centers but shooting threes because they they excelled in that and you know he came from that German European background, but then nowadays, like it, like people who are supposed to be fast, everybody in their mind in that position is shooting threes, just like the the per, like like the two or the, or sometimes the one, you know, it's like everybody's just just you know just ch- chucking on threes, and you know, and and to a certain point, you you understand that, of course, 
as the game evolves, the three-point um, shot is going to be used more. But then at certain times, you're feeling when you see them missing the way they do, a lot of teams are like, dang, can you guys go in and, and make some shots before if your shot's not working outside, you know? So that's what – but uh, but I guess it's due to the influence and the analytics that they, that they see in, in, in sports as a whole, but mainly basketball. That you know that the people just look at it and they said, okay, let's where because they feel the three is more than worth more than two. yeah, three has always been worth more than two, but at the same time, it, 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 to get it is sometimes good to get a short shot. But I guess due to the, that influence, people just people are just taking that same route. And is people, that why the game sometimes people say, I'm asking you guys as the experts on this, is is that partially why the game not rules aside and how rules have changed. But is this piece of uh, more three-point shooting and probably not going in to the basket as much, is that partially responsible for why the game has been criticized for being less physical now as it used to be? Because I remember watching ball back in the basketball back in the day, and them, them guys was going clashing and going at it. And so are they less physical because people are spending more time on the perimeter now? I would say I would say that has a good part to do with it, uh, you know, especially because, I mean, us, you know, whether eight, you know, 70s or 80s babies, you know, being an 80s baby growing up, seeing the 80s, and, you know, 80s, we appreciated it, but it was kind of bush league. I'm not going to front, <laughs> especially watching old tapes and being, and being a little kid and you were like, what? This is what we watch as a kid? I think the, the balance was in the 90s and early 2000s that there were physicality, but they weren't really trying to clobber each other. Like, they were, they were, they were, they was reasonable, but after 04, when the Lakers played the Pistons and the Pistons were bearing down on the Lakers. And I think the rules changed slowly but surely in 07. And just from that point on, just, it, it was just pretty much finesse. It's like, and we knew superstars always got the calls, but then really from that uh, mid to late 2000s, it felt, it felt like you breathed on somebody. It's a, you feel like you breathed on somebody's a foul now. Like, you know, the, basically the main thing is there's no hand checking anymore. Meanwhile, back in the day, we're watching, it was hand checking. And another another problem is the culture of the NBA has changed where players always looking for a foul just because you fall down on a play, for example, or you get brushed, you know, even pushed. It doesn't mean it's a foul. Basketball is more physical than football, honestly, in the, in the fact that there's no equipment, you know, mm. it's even more physical than soccer. You know, because you're using your hand and you're jumping, you're grabbing, you're shooting, you know, so it's way more physical. But they're looking for a foul every single time or even they'll fake a lot of times in live action. It doesn't look like uh, like, oh, wow, he actually got hit. But then you slow down and you look at it. They probably didn't get hit, but they're like flying back and flailing as far as a flop. And it's ridiculous. These guys have better uh, acting skills than these professional wrestlers. You know what I'm saying? So you get a lot of that as well, which is as a fan and watching, and I've been watching the game since about 1989. I think Fonz about the same. Um, it's hard to see. It's like if football's well, football did not, you know, they, they do the same thing, just not as bad. Soccer's probably tied with basketball without yeah. much the act. But you you expect it in soccer, but in basketball, you grow growing up, you don't you don't expect that, but apparently that's what the game has become. And it's it as a fan, it's frustrating, but it's like you you we've got a custom. Yeah. <laughs> so that so that's why I, I initially asked the question, do you find it with the younger kids hard? Because they're especially influenced by just no defense. Think you're gonna get your way, and it's all about the three-point shot, which is a low percentage shot, but has yeah. high value. Where the Kevin Samuels, if you can get it, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So, you know, honestly, when the parents are bringing me to to their uh, to their kids to me, uh, the kids are playing sports, but they're talking to me about things like confidence, like he needs mm. more confidence, or you know, um, he he wants to build more muscle because there's a lot of contact in the sport or he, you know, he's trying to, so those are the kinds of things that are kind of more on the forefront of my mind and, and, and how to do that for such young bodies. So I'm not, you know, putting too much on them, but get putting them in a position where they can get more powerful and over time, build more muscle and build more confidence uh, when they go back out into the sport. I think those are the types of, you know, parents or, or it's like, you know, the season's over. I just don't want him to get lazy. So, uh, you know, keep him, you know, going so he can, you know, uh, get into the next sport or by the time the next season comes around, 
you know, he hasn't lost all of his quickness, his, you know, or his, or his power. So I think those are the issues I'm more so dealing with. Okay. Now I like that. So you're helping to uh, teach them about confidence in sports, which is so necessary, but not conceit, but also not thinking you're less than either, but also about relationships in sports, which is very important, and training your body in the right way. I like that. Yeah. Because a lot of them are not as as coordinated, you know. Um, the, 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 the pandemic did a lot, you know, for, for, and I don't mean that in a good way, but it impacted us, especially the youth. So a lot of them now, the weight is out of control of parents. And, and these, and so these are not, again, varsity or collegiate athletes. These are kids who are, who, who are on the path uh, in athletics. And once the pandemic hit, you know, if they already were a big kid, now they just too big, you know what I mean? And so now, uh, and then the mental health issues, you know, isolation, the kids who are out of school for so long, um, and now they don't know how to really interact and, and they question themselves a lot. And so I think parents are, are seeking out trainers, uh, not only for the, the, the sports aspect, but the psychological uh, aspect as well for the kids. Okay. Now you're doing good work then, man. My concern is always for the varsity level kids, uh, young slash young adults who get full of themselves and yeah. influenced yeah. by the mainstream sports culture. And that's the things we just talked about. And it's like, you got to get back to the basics. If you don't know the basics of basketball, how to do defense, you know, how to stand in your position, not knowing the rules, you know, always be moving your feet. You know, getting your stamina up. Instead, you just want to get the ball and shoot a three point. You get dudes like Kevin Durant. He's like six foot nine, shooting a three pointer. Back in the eighties and nineties, you did not see that. You would have seen Magic Johnson shooting a three pointer, or Kareem Abdul Jabbar, seven foot plus self, shooting a three pointer. They're doing a sky hook. They're doing the finger roll and the layup, and they're posting up doing defense. These guys be like super tall doing three pointers, or like overweight doing three pointers. That's all it is. Like Kevin Durant's taller, actually, but but it, they list him at six nine, but he's really like close to seven feet. Really, you stand next to some people, but at least for a cat like like I say, Kevin Durant, at least you know he, he cats like that uh, can make that shot on a, on a somewhat consistent basis. Like you know, they they're the few like I was saying before, like the Dirk Nowitzkis or or you know or, the, or even Larry Bird back in the day. Like if Larry Bird was playing t- in today's time, he would be shooting more threes and making more threes. Cause he had that type of skill, but if, like we said, you got you like you have cats that are thinking that there's Steph Curry. Everything kind of Steph Curry came out, the cats took that, uh, you know, they they took just took, took that same shot and, and they're, they're taking that same route, thinking they could just uh, just chuck up threes. And no, you're not, you're not, you're not that skilled in that way. Like you're not Steph Curry. So, Stephen, that leads to this question: How do you help your clients to know themselves? Yeah, you know, and this is adults and children alike. I think most people don't have what we call a mind-muscle connection. And uh, because we've been using our bodies, a lot of us, incorrectly for, for so long, just something in terms of, you know, simple as sitting down. Like, you know, we, we spend a lot of our time hunched over. We're on computers and so forth and so on. And so I think uh, correcting form, posture, and that's number one. And even I maybe it's connected. So I don't know if it's after or before this, but it's connected to even knowing more about your body, right? What, what are the muscles that we are using? And this, so I think a lot of people just want to act, they want to do, and, and that's, we should be more active, but if we can act with information and intuition, right? So the information is, okay, what muscles are involved when you are running? Right. Um, and then uh, intuitive is like, OK, beginning to put yourself in a position where you could actually feel what's going on with your hamstring, or what's going on in your lower back. And most times we only feel that when there's an injury. Now we're paying attention to the hamstring. Now we're paying attention to. But what if you could while you were doing your sport or while you were doing the exercises to, to condition or to build strength? What if you could feel what was going on in those areas as well? pay attention to your glutes. So that, that's where I come in, right? Um, I'm not necessarily talking about, okay, that's the where the other opponent's going to be. I'm not talking about this. 
I'm talking about, can you feel where your heel is right now? Right. Because that's important for your, you know, activation and your power. If your foot is not placed properly. So when we go through some repetitions right there, how about your hip? Can you, can you feel the difference between, you know, if you're in a, a defensive stance, if you're too slouched over, or if you've got your chest up a little bit and your hips are back, can you feel that, right? And how now your lower back is protected, your feet are square on the ground. These are the things that I'm talking to people about. So it's educating them on their bodies, but it's also taking time to, to, to help them be aware by stopping and saying, think about this. And there's lots of little things that trainers can do. You get somebody in a position, you can use touch. So you can say, okay, I'm going to tap here while you're doing the exercise to kind of get the brain to now sync up with that air because it's a nervous system thing. So if, I, if, if I'm doing an exercise, sometimes for some people it's a tap in that area while they're doing it. So their brain now makes connection constantly with that. It gets better at connecting with the area that I'm touching. Um, for some people, it's, you know, uh, I can demonstrate and I'll, I'll talk to them while they're doing it and say, slow down a certain phase of the movement. So if you slow it down here, can you feel what's going on? Uh, it might be, for instance, if you're, if you're working your back muscles, but your shoulder blades are really what you need to focus on. Some people are working their back, they focus on pulling with their arms too much. But if I say, think about your shoulder blades, because that's where the muscles are really inserted. Now they begin to realize, oh, I'm, I've been moving, starting the movement with the wrong thing. Uh, but if I start it in the right place, now I'm more aware of what's going on. So that can be said for any uh, movement or any exercise, being aware of where the action actually starts versus where you perceive the action begins. Mm-hmm. I'm glad, I'm glad you definitely mentioned those because nowadays, especially like in a lot of sports as a whole, but mainly basketball, like when you hear certain players out in, whether it's a regular season, but now even these playoffs, you hear a lot of like over the years, especially, the, especially this year, you have, you hear a lot of people say, Oh, this person suffered with a hamstring um, injury and it's going to be and even in the you know in the, in the regular season it's one thing to sit out a couple games or a few games a couple of weeks but in the playoffs you try to push it but then you see these players still sitting out so that means the injury yeah. might be a little bit more serious so you hear a lot of hamstring injuries or groin injuries those are the two things that you hear that are not as serious as a oh ACL or something like that but the, oh. when you hear things like that like the hamstring and groin and then you're hearing those repetitive repetitively in, yeah. in news and then they're sitting out for more than more than one game it's it's a lot more serious than you think you're like wow what what is going on that a lot of a lot of players are suffering these type of injuries or these yeah. type of uh, let me say this type of setbacks yeah it's, it's 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 crazy because there's certain things that just come along with the territory so like if you're a police officer you accept the danger you know i, I could go out i could get shot you know what i mean or yeah. i might be misunderstood or I might be feared, you know, because, and you know, I'm not even talking about racial stuff. I'm just talking about a soldier. You put yourself in harm's way. You carry a weapon. There's some things that come along with that. And so with athletics, right, you know, this is, this, your body is subject to a lot of pressure and, and strain constantly for long periods of time. And so with the, with the training, uh, that's why, you know, many of them have athletic trainers to help them even fighters, man, to, to understand, okay, uh, this is how you can move your body and prepare your body so that it endures less setback, right, through time. You are going to encounter setback at some point because there's repetitive stress on your joints. But yes. if we can minimize it, that's where the, the training comes in. Prepare your body for it, minimize it, and then the recovery. So that's why they're taking ice baths. That's why they've got masseuses or their physical therapists, which is very different from trainers. Um, so it's, it's being able to prepare yourself through training, but it's also being able to do the, the healing work with recovery, uh, that that's going to make the difference in the long term. I mean, I don't know too much about, uh, you know, LeBron, but he seems to be of the, uh, the Brady school of investing a lot in his health, right. And so that he can last as long as he has and, and Tom Brady as well. With, with diet and exercise. So the, the level of investment and I've watched some stuff with um, the, I can't remember the guy's name, but he, he coached Jordan, not coached, um, trained Jordan physical training. And I think he also did some work with Kobe, but they spent a lot of time working on things that would allow them that longevity. Yeah. Because I heard LeBron spends like what a million, a million a year on his body. 
and, 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 and all of this business venture is multi-million close to a billionaire so I guess he could afford it so that's, that's money that we would dream to ever have in a lifetime he spent it on his body a year you're like whoa yeah crazy and John Brady you know with all the stuff he does the TV 12 and all that so you already know he's he's pumping in pumping in major dollars so that's crazy because Brady's right. what 42 going on 43 LeBron's like 37 going on 38 not 38 going on 39 so well, Brady, well, Brady's actually about to turn forty-five this year. Sheesh! Yeah. So at one at one time, you didn't hear about quarterbacks being that old. You know, yeah. if they were like mid thirties, like you're gonna retire now, right? To so basketball players, just like, yeah, yeah, you you can't play at a high level anymore, quote unquote. Remember Robert Parrish at forty, you know, late thirties and the forties having knee problems, and it was hard to watch him play. It's like. Dude, give it up. But see, LeBron, these other guys older and killing it. You know, who are like in other leagues, like Ice Cube's Big Three League. These are older guys, even into their fifties. And I'm like, yeah, I need to get in shape. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, you know, so the whole idea of it's all about youth. That's gone in this day and age. Fond, as you already said, bigger, faster, stronger better education and knowledge of the body as Stanley, you're talking about better diet medications. Um, and as you said, Stanley, knowing your body yeah, and your mind. Yeah. Because like these, in terms of professional sports, yeah, there's obviously father times undefeated and there's going to be a a certain shelf life for certain individuals, but in terms of staying in shape in general, you you try to do that as best as possible, you know, and keep up a lifestyle to the day you die. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's totally true. So, Stanley, yeah. how can people get into contact with you, your socials, um, website, all that stuff? Um, and even with the online stuff, Zoom and stuff like that, what are your different connection points who can hit you up and, you know, yeah. take advantage of everything you're doing? Because obviously you're not just doing uh, working out just for the sake of working out, you provide an overall holistic and life-changing thing that I think people should take advantage of. Yeah. So do you, do you, do you mind if I put out a couple of those uh, holistic life-changing things and then I'll tell people where they can find me and that online? Yeah, go for so, it. Yeah. So one of them is uh, I created for people who just need to move. It's very different from, you know, getting one-on-one personal training and because and, with any trainer worth his or her salt, they're going to give you a program and sit down and talk to you what your goals are and phase, give you phases, what we're going to do for the next six to eight weeks. And then we're going to do this for the following six to eight weeks. What I'm about to suggest is not that. I mean, if you can find me when I give you my at information for that, if you need it. Um, but then I've, I'm finding there's a lot of people who just need to move more, right? They're not necessarily trying to be quicker. They're not trying to necessarily be stronger. They just know after the pandemic, I just stopped moving. And I need that first step to get me so I can do something every day. Mm-hmm. And so I created these uh, cards. They're exercise cards. And so that's me after my uh, show uh, last year, did a natural show. But they're really exercises so that people can actually pick out one per day. For instance, I think this was what, a plank drag. I have videos on my website where they can figure out what that is. You can do one. I have, I have a couple of people that are just doing the haystand. I pulled out one. I got moving today. And that's good enough for them. There are people that are pulling, dealing out four of them and that they're doing a whole exercise circuit. And that's what they got going on for for the day. And there's even a, a way that this um, can work with kids during the pandemic. That's how I got my kids to move. You know, they didn't went, oh, man, go out and exercise. I said, let's deal out four cards and, and they would do it. Right. And so um, what I who I found really gravitates toward this are couple. First of all, people who just need to move more. Right. They, they just need a, a way to get started. But couples are doing it. They're playing it together to keep themselves healthy and people who have children. So this is one of the things that I, they call jumpstart cards and they're available online. I also do camps. Um, I'm very specific. Weight loss is my specialty. I lost 25 pounds to lower my cholesterol. So people with health complications who need to lose weight, I'm your guy. And then obviously with my background in bodybuilding, if you want to build muscle and get stronger, I'm your guy too. So you ask me where people can find me. Um, at Stampede Fitness, that's my Instagram handle. So you can find me at Stampede Fitness. I'm also on Facebook, Stanley Porter. You know, look me up. I have a Stanley Porter Fitness page. And my website, where you can find the most information about me and what I do, is stanleyporter.net. Again, that's stanleyporter.net. 
hit a brother up. I'd be happy to engage and figure out how I can partner with you to meet your goals. Awesome. Now, that, now that's definitely very inspiring because when someone hears 25 pounds, they're thinking, oh, 25 pounds is not so, it's not so bad. I mean, yeah, obviously you need to, to lose the particular weight. I'm trying to lose something like that myself, but it's, it's but I mean, you would know, you could verify this more than me that it's, it's not just the pounds, but it's what is what was in those 25 pounds that you needed to lose. Like you said, the, the cholesterol levels and, and things of that nature that you were eating, that you, that you put on. It wasn't just decent. It was, if it was good food that you put on in 25, it's like, oh, yeah, I need to lose this, but you, you, you'd be healthy in other areas. But it was, like you said, you ate all the poison around, around yeah. the corner, in the hood, around the corner, around the corner. So that was what was, you know, messing you up and killing you that you had to lose that and, and also do a complete 180 on your diet yeah i and i encounter about three uh uh approaches uh or or, or uh, places people are they either want to uh do fitness for performance so these are the athletes right they got to perform better uh or they're uh trying to do it for aesthetic so they want to look good for the wedding or the summer or they need it for health right so losing 25 pounds on either of those platforms, if, if weight loss is the thing, because most of the health issues, the biggest health indicator or one of the biggest ones is how much we have right here in our midsection. How much yeah. weight is, you know, visceral fat do we have around our internal organs? And that, that puts us at risk for high blood pressure, for heart attacks, for stroke, and all these other things, diabetes, of terms of what's going on down here. And if we can um, all just be more conscious about uh, not necessarily looking good for the camera, but being a healthy body weight for our age and height, then I think um, that's, that's, a, that's a good start. Definitely. Dope. It's good stuff, man. Farms, any other questions you think of? Yeah, I'm all uh, tapped out too. Like the winner, Stanley Porter, in the UFC match. So, <laughs> hey, <laughs> thanks again for uh, coming on the show, man. It's definitely a uh, privilege to interview you and what you're doing. Like I said, it's very inspiring, man. And hopefully, people will gravitate towards what you're doing. You know, you're not the typical uh, personal trainer just trying to get money, and you know, and that's it. You actually care about your patients, not patients, you care about your clients, you know, just don't. Yeah. I appreciate you, Antoine, you, you, you know, and I'm, I'm glad you uh, have this platform and, uh, you know, you've just always been unselfish, you know, um, with the talents and the, and the gifts that God has given you. So thank you for making room for me today, man. Appreciate you. Oh, for sure. Nice to meet you, brother. Definitely. All right, y'all, this has been the Stanley Porter interview on All Pro Bros. See y'all next episode. Peace. Peace. Peace.